Hello, fellow ink drinkers, and welcome back to the Blind Girls Book Talk podcast. Aria. And I'm Belle. And we are two Legally Blind sisters who love reading and love books. And so what we've done is we've created this show in order to talk about it. We talk about the things we love about books, the things we wish we could change, all that kind of stuff. This is a variety show, so we cover a wide array of bookish content. And that can range from bad retellings of stories, to book to movie adaptation comparisons, to recent reads, to buddy reads, to bookish challenges. Really, the list does go on. And today what we're going to be doing is we're going to be doing another one of our author talks. And the author that we're going to be talking about today is actually Agatha Christie. So while I was doing the research for this, there was a lot of things that I didn't really realize about Agatha Christie. I think the main thing we both know some about is her disappearance. And we I will touch on that a bit. But I didn't realize just how much she wrote and just how much it really impacted like British literature. It's really neat. I knew she wrote a lot. She did. I didn't know about the impact. She did. So without further ado, I'm going to be the one taking the reins for this one. So Agatha Christie was born on September 15th. 1890 in Torquay, England. I hope I said that right. She was the best-selling mystery writer of all time. She wrote 93 books and 17 plays, including the longest-running play of modern-day theater. She is the only writer to, or the only mystery writer to have created two important detectives as characters. Do you know who they are? Uh, Hector something. Hercule Perrault. Yeah, him. Uh, I forget the other one. The other one is Miss Marple. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yes. So her father was American and her mother was British. Her maiden name is Miller and her full name is Agatha Mary Clarissa Miller. She was born to a comfortably middle class family. Her father was a stockbroker from New York, and her mother was the daughter of an army officer. And she had two older siblings, and their names were Margaret and Lois. And so when she was little, she was educated at home. She taught herself to read at the age of five years old. She grew up in a family environment full of stories, ones that her mother told her, ones that her sisters told her, and soon she created her own stories, too. She did say in her, uh, I think her biography or autobiography, that she was very lucky to have a very happy childhood, but she did lose her father in November of 1901 after he suffered numerous heart attacks. So then in 1902, she actually began a formal education at Miss Geyer's Girls' School in Torquay before she moved to France in 1905 to continue her education at a couple different Parisian schools. 
And then in 1910, she moved back to England and she began writing her first short story, which was called The House of Dreams. It wasn't published until 1926 in an issue of the Sovereign magazine. So quite some time between when she first wrote it. Now, in 1912, she actually met a man by the name of Archie Christie, and he was an officer in the Royal Flying Corps, and the pair quickly fell in love, but they had to delay getting married because of the First World War. So in July, Archie was sent to France to fight and Agatha joined the voluntary or the voluntary aid detachment as an unpaid nurse at the Red Cross Hospital. And the couple did eventually get married on Christmas Eve at 1914. They did that while Archie was on leave. And... The couple's, of course, early married life was disrupted a lot by the war, but they were able to meet on a few rare occasions throughout the the conflict. They were reunited in January of 1918 when Archie moved to London after being given a position at the war office. And when the war ended, he found a job in finance in London, and they eventually had a daughter whose name was uh, Rosalind, and she was born in 1919. During the First World War is when Agatha really started to write a lot of her detective stories. And her first novel was called The Mysterious Affair at Styles, and it was written in 1916, but it wasn't published until 1920. This book introduced two of her best known detectives, which the first one is Hercule Perrault. And a lot of people point out that he is very similar to Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's Sherlock Holmes, that he's, of course, very rational and unemotional you know, and has this kind of... The, the typical detective. Yes, exactly. And he has this very rational approach, er, approach to solving mysteries. And then he also has a friend and companion who is Captain Hastings, who shares a lot in common with Dr. John Watson. He's also a retired military man and has occasionally has some oper- observations that end up inspiring Perot. So it's kind of a very similar relationship from you know what I know I haven't read a lot of the the Perot novels but I have read I think one or two but it was you know I thought that was very interesting that you know she kind of paid homage to Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and then she also not only did she have you know Perot doing his stuff, but he had a she had a married couple named uh, Tum- Tuppence and Tommy Beds Bearsford, whose special speciality was hunting down spies. And they first appeared in her book, The Secret Adversary in 1922. And they had a very different approach to detective work, essentially. So, you know, it was definitely different. She also wrote another character, another detective, Colonel Race, and he was a mysterious man of few words. However, she ended up not using him very often for main work. He was mainly only a side character. Another one of her characters was Superintendent Battle, who was strong, dependable, and hardworking. And he was not 
a greatly attractive character. So again, she only used him minorly after that. There was another pair of sleuths that she created, which was Harley Quinn and Mr. Saddlewaite, as well as Parker Pine. It says Pine specialized not in solving murders, but in influencing the lives of others as to bring happiness or adventure. So interesting. And then Agatha did seem to put in kind of a uh, a novelist that kind of paid tribute to her. And that character's name was Mrs. Ariadne Oliver. So I think that's pretty cool. So then we reach 1926. And that is the year that a lot of things happened in Agatha's life. So the publication of her first hugely successful novel, The Murder of Roger Ackroyd, was published during that year. However, that was also the year that her mother passed away. And she also discovered that her husband was having an affair and was in love with another woman. So because of all of these events, on December 3rd, Agatha left her home and she left a letter saying she was going to travel to Yorkshire. On December 6th, her car was found near the top of a chalk quarry that was several miles from her home, and she wasn't there. So it sparked a nationwide search to try to find her. And they, her picture was in the newspaper. A lot of journalists were speculating what happened to her, and it was kind of the big mystery of the day what happened to agatha christie i mean though if anybody's to go missing and can just make themselves disappear it's going to be a mystery writer they can they can make themselves disappear yeah pretty much so and that's why i think it took them 10 days later uh so it took them 10 days to find her They had a tip that she was at a hotel in Harrogate, England, and she had been there the whole time and she was staying under the name of the woman who her husband was having an affair with. And essentially, when she was found, she claimed to have amnesia. And (laughs) okay, okay, hold on a second. I'm staying under the name of my husband's mistress. Mm-hmm. But I have amnesia. I'm sorry, lady. That's just too much of a coincidence. You wanted to disappear. It is a coincidence, but at the same time, considering everything that happened to her, and like I do think she did have some sort of a mental break. Oh, so... I'm not saying that. I'm saying you know who you are, and you use the name of your husband's, husband's mistress just for spite. I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know if it was necessarily that, but there is speculation that there was that kind of thing going on. Not going to lie. I personally think she just kind of had a break. I think maybe that name just was in the forefront of her brain. And so she used it. I mean, I don't really know. But because they found her and she didn't remember what happened to her, they didn't pursue the case any further. And then she ended up divorcing her her first husband two years after this incident so in 1928 also in 1928 she completed one of her most famous novels the mystery on the blue train and then two years after that she went to a archaeological site in 
Ur, I think is how you say it, near Baghdad. And she met an archaeologist named Max Malawin, who was almost 14 years her junior. And they ended up falling in love and they got married in September of 1930, just six months after their first meeting. And the thing about Max is that he was a leading British archaeologist and she often accompanied him on his expeditions in Iraq and Syria and used those places for her novels and that kind of thing. So for her, man. Yeah. Yeah. So then in 1930, she also wrote one of what many believe to be her best written novel called Murder at the Vicarage. And this is the first appearance of Miss Jane Marple, who became one of Miss Christie's favorite sleuths and who showed up frequently in her books. And of course, everybody really liked Mrs. Marple. She was kind of old fashioned and grandmotherly, but she was coldly aware that all human beings are weak and that some are completely immoral. And so because of this, I think because of this kind of split, people really liked the character. So then she began to experiment with situations and stories that seemed highly unrealistic and or unlikely. And then she would put characters who acted the most realistic into this framework. And then this, of course, leads to some of her books like The Murder at Callis's Coach and And Then There Were None, where, you know, there's just kind of these instances where things happen very differently than what you think they would. I know I read and then there were none and it definitely didn't go how I thought it would go. And I actually really enjoy the book. So I definitely like, you know, the the stories from this perspective. She also wrote romantic non-detective novels such as Absent in the Spring under the pseudonym Mary Westmacott. She also wrote, like I said, 17 plays. Her favorite play was Witness for the Prosecution, but the public disagreed. And what became her most famous play was called The Mousetrap, which opened in London in 1952 and was a huge success. And it it set the world record for the longest continuous run at one theater, which was 8,862 performances, more than 21 years at the Ambassador's Theater in London, before moving in 1974 to the St. Martin's Theater. And there it continued without a break until the pandemic closed theaters in 2020. And by that time, it surpassed 28,200 performances. So... This play was a big deal. I didn't realize she wrote plays. She did. She wrote 17 of them. A lot of her books were also made into films. So that is another big, you know, thing for her. Then in 1971, she was named a Dame of the British Empire, a title given by the Queen, of course, in honor of a person's extraordinary service to the country or personal merit. But unfortunately, during the 70s, her health began to decline. And on January 12th, 1976, she passed away from natural causes at her home in Oxfordshire. 
and her final novel, Sleeping Murder, Miss Marple's Last Case, was published posthumously in October of 1976. And so overall, she is one of the most popular writers in history. Almost four billion copies of her novels have been sold across the globe, and her book sales are beaten only by William Shakespeare. So all in all, her life was very interesting. It was very interesting to see what all she wrote, you know, how kind of seeing how things kind of changed over time and that kind of thing. And just, you know, really everything. It's it's she's a fantastic writer. I've not read any of her work yet. I own what two stories. I think you you do. I think you do. Yeah, I, I think I got them. you a couple things. Yeah, you definitely do, because I think it's right up your alley. I've, it sounds it. I just haven't had the time. Yeah, I've definitely read, and then there were none. Like I said, I really enjoyed that book. I also listened to Death on the Nile, which is another one of her um, Hercule Perot books. Also very good. So definitely... Definitely recommend if you're into classics and you're into mysteries because she is kind of the queen. (laughs) She did a lot. Well, that is about all the time that I have for today. I hope that you guys have enjoyed listening to us talk about Agatha Christie and her life. Of course, if you like the episode, if you're interested in hearing more, please consider sharing the episode with your friends. It really does help us to grow the show. And then what are we going to be talking about next time? Nostalgia Reads. Nostalgia Reads. All right. We will see you guys then. Bye. Bye.